Open mine eyes that I may see Glimpses of truth thou hast for me Open mine eyes, illumine me Spirit divine Love of my life, I am crying I am not dying, I am dancing Dancing along in the madness There is no sadness like to invite you to a soul-level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guests' spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. Today for Song of the Soul, we have a real treat. Peggy Seeger has a wealth of recordings from the 50-plus years she's been performing, a good number of them on her own, but many more with her husband, Ewan McCall, some with her brothers, Mike and Pete Seeger, and lots of them with other folks. Traditional folk music is where she started from, and she has enriched that collection with her own songs on feminist, peace, and other themes. She's moving over to England by the end of this year, and I thought it was absolutely crucial to add her music and thoughts to the Northern Spirit Radio Collection as soon as possible. Peggy Seeger joins us today from her home in Boston. Peggy, I'm so pleased you could join me for Song of the Soul. Well, I'm so happy to be calling someone who's in Eau Claire, in Clearwater, Wisconsin. It's fantastic. <laughs> what clear water is there left? Well, you've got it. <laughs> We've got a little tiny bit here. How is it that you know some French? First of all, I had it in high school, and then from 1958 in June until 1959 in January, I lived in Paris. I began to dream in French and think in French, which I thought was fascinating. I asked most. I kept my mind open and didn't try to be too exact in my grammar and... That's the way children learn, and the way children go on, they just babble on. So I babbled. <laughs> Merveilleux. It's great that you've kept some of it, too. <laughs> oui, merveilleuse. I'm, I'm female. Yeah, okay. I'll correct my grammar. Thank you. 
No, that's all right. A facility is probably male, merveilleux. But I was making a joke. I like humor, too. And I love your music. Uh, you've got such an expanse on your own and with other people. What's your latest big recording that you put out there? The latest recording has actually not come out yet. It's a very simple record with my brother Mike of the songs we sang as children. It's being edited and produced right now because, you know, my brother Mike died in August of last year and we had just finished the album. And it was kind of trip down memory lane. We've reduced the songs to As We Learned Them, which was simple. People sometimes tend to put too much instruments and too many voices and too much, quote, perfection, unquote, onto the songs that are essentially relatively simple. I write simple songs every now and then, too. My actual latest put-out album is one called Crazy Quilt, which is a homemade one. And on that, I put the songs that I have recently made up, some of which are highly political and will be gone <laughs> probably fairly soon. And that's the album that I put one of the songs I sent to you on, the One Plus One. It's a very, very simple approach to solving the world's problems. So simple that it's probably impossible. People do like complex things. Are you the banjo player on this one? Yes. How many instruments do you play total? I play the banjo quite well. I am an accompanist on the guitar, but I know exactly what to do, but I'm not a soloist. I learned classical music, so I can do almost anything of my own creation on the piano, but I can't play classical music. I'm moving downward in ability. Then I play the concertina, the English concertina, which I learned to accompany you and McCall in England. After that, the auto harp, and I'm literally a beginner on that, and the dulcimer I play just basically, and the fiddle I'm dreadful at, so I sold it. Do you play hammered dulcimer as well as regular dulcimer? No, I bought one, and it sat in the front room for a long time, and it was the tuning of it, and the crazy arrangement of the notes that finished me off. I needed a logic. Well, it had a logic, but it wasn't the same logic as mine. Well, I thought I heard that in one of your songs, and I'm saying, I didn't know she did hammer dulcimer as well. No, I have never played hammer dulcimer, and I love it as an instrument. Well, let's get utopian and listen to Peggy Seeger's song, One Plus One Is Two. Here goes Peggy Seeger. Sing alone, you can sing with me. 
we can sing in harmony in the key of C or D or E. Songs are made for you. One is Two by Peggy Seeger. When did you write that, Peggy? Gosh, about three years ago. It was one of those songs that just came automatically. I was teaching songwriting at Northeastern University here in Boston, and I was trying to show them how simple it was to create a very simple song. The ideas in it are ones that we all wish would happen, that people would just get along I hate to say it, but I think it's probably impossible because we're jungle animals and we have severe territoriality and there are so many of us. There are too many of us for the size of globe that we live on and the way we live. So it is a very simplistic song, but both adults and children sing it very happily. Do you find a difference in cultures that might be open to the kind of vision you're trying to share through the song? You're out in Boston area now. You were just visiting the Midwest. In the fall, you're moving over to England. Is there a different culture of acceptance working together, say, in England versus here? Because I think we have the strong, rugged individualism, uh, you know, nobody's going to tell me what to do thing here in the States, which probably makes it harder to solve problems. Well, let's put it this way. Most of the people who come to my concerts have either heard of me or Pete Seeger, or folk songs. If the concert is given for an arts council, you will get people who are in other forms of art, but who maybe subscribe to a theater or, a, or an arts council hall. If I sing in a church, you'll get many of the people who normally come to that church. But they're pretty much across the same strata of people who come to my concerts, mostly middle to upper class, and essentially the English and the North American cultures are quite alike. But in England, we are not afraid to use swear words. We name names much more over there. Here, the political songs on the whole do not name names. They talk about the boss and the politicians. Singers over here sing more group songs, more religious songs, even though they're not religious. They sing them in order to be able to sing together. 
I would say there is not a huge difference between Boston and Milwaukee and Madison, Wisconsin, or probably Los Angeles or Berkeley or Sacramento or Portland. The differences are fairly small. The, the kind of jokes people laugh at are different. An awful lot of Americans sometimes take an English-style joke completely seriously and say, really? And English sometimes think that American jokes are crude, but they're pretty much the same. I feel at home in both countries. And what's taking you back to England now? I had my children there. My grandchildren are there. They all live in a radius of about 20 miles in London. My partner is allowed to live there, and she's not allowed to live here. She can come here for 90 days a year, and that's it. Another thing is the new charges on the airlines for baggage. It's killing me. I can't afford to tour by airplane. And besides, it's not ecological. I like touring by car. I know the English countryside like the back of my hand. I've toured there for 35 years with my first life partner, Ewan McCall. So I'm really at home there. I like being in a country where you can go to a church that's been there for a thousand years. So those are the main reasons. That's four or five of them. So uh, there's certain logic to it. And that's the second song that I know you picked for your Song of the Soul. Why did you want to include this one? It's a love song for my present partner, and it's also following the idea of simplicity. Uh, when you asked for this program, I thought, well, let's try and lead from one to the next. And this song only has two verses. The spirit of the soul is what we're talking about, songs of the soul. And when you're in love, as you know, and as I hope everyone who's listening knows, it connects you with the way the earth runs. Your body all of a sudden becomes part of the earth and part of the earth's urgency, part of its logic. And so that's essentially what the song talks about. Flowers bloom, mountains rise, there's the stars, and I love you. This is the half song. I understand this piano is a gift to the school. It's a gift to anybody who plays it, I'll tell you. Winter dawn, summer noon, season follows season.
That was Logic by Peggy Seeger, touching the deep logic, the unity of the entire universe, which in my view, and I, it sounds like in your view, Peggy, is wrapped up with this love connection identity. If we didn't have love, I'm not sure if this world would be worth having. Exactly. Well, we were begotten, hopefully, out of love. And I really believe that the Earth does love us. Think about that. The Earth has provided every single thing that we need. Otherwise, we couldn't survive. But she's been a true mother, and it's do us good to remember that. Treat the Earth as you would treat your mother. Unfortunately, a number of people mistreat their mother, and so they maybe pass it on to the earth. It is really unfortunate that's the way so much of the world works these days. You mentioned your life partner now, your second life partner, you and being your first. Your partner now is a woman. Is the attitude any more enlightened in England about two women together than what it is throughout so much of the United States? It depends on where you are, but I would say that it's been recognized as we love despite gender. It's been written about for generations in England. I mean, I think the first woman-loving woman novel was the 1700s, was it, or early 1800s? It's been written about and understood. It hasn't been encouraged, but I think it's easier to have a woman partner if you're a woman than it is to have a man partner if you're a man. It's a test of your friends, I'll tell you. It is. It's a test of people to see how open-minded they are, how understanding. And I suppose you could say you would never understand it until it happens to you. It's the same with heterosexual love. You will never understand it till it happens to you. I also have a deep number of male friends who are just friends. And I learned how to be a friend to a man when I was a teenager. That's hard when you're a teenage girl and someone approaches you with a really friendship love and you recognize it as such. And that's what happened with Ralph Rinsler. The Smithsonian Folklife celebrations in the summer, those go on for six weeks. They are extraordinary. They celebrate folk song at grassroots level in Washington for six weeks. The person who instigated that was Ralph Rinsler. He was my first man, true comrade friend. I met him when I was 18. He was my friend until he died about seven or eight years ago, and he's still my friend. And I wrote a song celebrating our friendship, which I call Old Friend. And I'm leading on to this naturally because, to me, to have a good friend is another form of love. You can love your dog. You can love your canary. You can love your work. You can love the world. You can love a mass of people all marching down the street yelling, yes, we can, yes, we can. You can love Obama when he does something absolutely fantastic, and you can feel like slapping him on the cheek for continuing to support Afghanistan. But love is something that you can extend to many things, and it is not possessive. It's a celebration. Although my friend Ralph Rinsler was gone, I was telling him, I won't forget you, and your friends won't forget you for who you were and what you did. So that's the way I look at the song that I've written for my friend Ralph Rinsler and for the songs that I've written for my brother Mike and for my mother. Oh, friend. 
spent too long apart And there's so much in my heart I want to say Before we say goodbye Your life and mine entwined with the music and the song Our future was set from the moment that we met We were all old friends The work that was our play Carried us away Then brought us home Brought us home again Love's a game You never made a claim Or tried to play that game with me That set you apart With your own place in my heart Where you will always be As a woman among men It was hard to find a friend Then you were there And with you I was free We traveled far By scooter then by That was Old Friend, 
by Peggy Seeger, who's with us here today for Song of the Soul. This is Song of the Soul, a Northern Spirit Radio production. I'm your host, Mark Helpsmeet. You can always hear these programs via our website, northernspiritradio.org. Our home station is WHYSLP Eau Claire. And as Peggy has already pointed out, we're a French-speaking people here. At least uh, three or four of us in the entire city of 60,000 <laughs> speak French. Old friends are so dear. One thing that I found, Peggy, and I don't know if you found this as time goes on, friendship has changed in our world, uh, certainly over the 70-plus years you've been on this planet. I think friendship has changed, and I'm not sure young people do it the same way we used to. You mentioned the difficulty with having male friends with female friends, and for me it used to be true that it was easier to have a female friend than a male friend because men didn't friendship much, you know, not in a talking, thoughtful way. But now my deepest friendships are with the men I go to men's group with every week. Have you seen that kind of change in friendships over the years? I can't comment on other people's friendship, but I can note that young people, men and women, seem more able to form friendships between them that are platonic. When I remember my teenage, when a man approached you, it was for one reason. That's why Ralph Rinsler was so unusual to me. I haven't had a lot of friends in my life. I had a wonderful family life. So when school was over, I went home. I had music. I had three siblings. I had a wonderful house to rattle around in. And I'm sorry for it now that I didn't make more real friends when I was a teenager. I was a loner. I read a lot, even during lunch hours and uh, recreation hours. When I went abroad when I was 19, I went to my family in Holland, and that's when I began to have my first women friends. I belonged to a, what the Dutch called a vereniging, which is a togetherness at the university I was going to. I was studying Russian in the language of Dutch, and uh, I had a group of women that I just absolutely loved, 13 of them. And we piled around. It was the first time I'd had women friends that I just laughed and cackled with. And then I got together with you and McCall. And he was 20 years older than me. And we began having a family right away. So neither of us had a friendship group of our own gender. So for 35 years, I only had one friend. And that was Irene Scott. And she and I, uh, from about 1980 onward, began to pal around, uh, going to demonstrations together, going to Green and Common together. But I didn't have friends, what I would call deep friends. When you and McCall died, Irene and I became a couple. And she is my best friend, and she's also my partner. But what it has taught me with not living together, which we haven't for four years now, she has her group of friends. I have my group of friends. I have two dear, dear women friends here in Boston. And I've never had friends quite like them before. Judith Tick, who wrote my mother's biography, and Ruth Perry, who is a professor at MIT. I am dear friends with the woman who lives above me, a German young mother of about 40 years old. She comes down, I go up. She comes down, I go up. And my mother had friends like this, women friends. My father didn't. So I'm wondering if it has something to do with the kind of person you are as well and the kind of life you're leading. 
I'm 75 now. Although my body is beginning to kind of fall apart bit by bit, I think it's a wonderful age to be because you have a perspective on things. You're looking back is much greater than you're looking forward. And you sift things out, and you try and get over the guilt feelings you have about your children and the things that you've done wrong and the embarrassing things that have happened to you. The richness of what's happened to you, I think everybody should write up their life, even if just to help them sort it out, so that when you hit the Grim Reaper, who seems less grim as time goes by, believe me, if you look on the on it as a grim reaper, you'll have a sad death. It has to be something different than that. I look on death very differently now from what I did maybe 30 years ago. Uh, when my husband died in 1989, Ewan McCall, I would have been quite happy to have died along with him. It seemed a comradely thing to do, to go where he was going so he wasn't there alone. It made me much less afraid of dying because I think you can kind of think, well, I will go where he is. I've watched a number of people die. I watched my mother die in 1953. I watched my sister die in 1994. I watched my brother die in, in 2009. I have sung a number of dying people to sleep. The next couple of songs, or some of the songs, are about people that I've known who have died. All of them taught me something. One taught me how not to die. The others have taught me how to die. But all of them have taught me how to live. So what is New Spring Morning about? Is that about living, I think? <laughs> yes. I was very angry with my husband when he died. I thought, how can you go off and leave me like that? <laughs> you know, how can you do that? I wrote him some very bitter letters and poems. So New Spring Morning is to my husband, who died when I was 54, after 10 years of illness, and two of which were quite severe. And it's just, how can you do this, but fairly gentle. The gentle song is New Spring Morning by Peggy Seeker. We were a new spring
that beautiful voice and melody is from Peggy Seeger, who's with us here today for Song of the Soul. Peggy, it doesn't sound like you're angry at Ewan anymore, that you've had a lot of years, I guess, to recover now. Oh, Lord, I recovered after a year. He was sick. He was ill. Life was not giving him a whole lot of joy. I should say that the musicians on that recording are my sons, Neil and Callum. I've written songs for my children, and I would have included all of them, excepting I would not include just one and exclude the others. I wrote two for my daughter, one for my second son, and one for my first son. And they are beautiful musicians, and my daughter's a lovely singer. Who was the harmony in that last song? Ah, that was me myself. You are a true Gemini, I guess you're saying. (laughs) I'll have to listen again. I think that was me myself. It might have been Irene. Good Lord, I hadn't remembered. Well, it's worth listening again. And one more thing I wanted to ask you about that song is, one of the lines in there is something about uh, always together yet drifting apart. Is that about his illness at the end, or what is that about? Good for you. Yes, this happens when someone gets very ill, or when they're dying, they drift apart, they drift away. And for the last year, we drifted apart. When you're really sick, it's very difficult to hold on to the nature of a relationship. You still love the person, but you're on a different planet. And also what happens, and I've noticed this in a number of older couples, especially where it's the man gets ill, this sounds very strange to say, but the power base changes. In most relationships, I've noted, there's one partner who seems to run the relationship or who seems a bit more powerful in the way the relationship should go. This doesn't mean that it's nasty or that it's dominating, but it means that one person is just a little more in control. Now, my father was in control of the relationship between my mother and my father. My mother was very strong, but my father only had to look over and say, Ruthie, and things would calm down. It was the way my father wanted to live that they lived. And with Ewan McCall, it was the way he wanted our work life to go that ran everything. I probably was an absolute harridan at home. I have no idea. But he was the ideas factory behind our work, which was thrilling. If you've looked into any of the work we've done, there were some absolutely mind-blowingly creative things that we did. And I would never have dreamed them up. He dreamed them up. And I followed. I became stronger for it because we were a good team. And he never tried to rein in anything that I wanted to do on the projects. But as he got weaker physically and was having attacks every day, I had to take over the running of our touring life. I had to take over ideas. I had to take over projects, which I dreamed up myself. That's when I started the feminist writing. I did three feminist albums in the time that he was ill. And it was fine with him. It's just that the power base changed. So we were drifting apart in that way, in that we were not a team anymore. Were your kids all gone from home definitively by then? My two sons were gone. My daughter was 16 at the time, 17. So there was that too. (laughs) There was that too. Exhaustion at both ends, taking care of the children on both ends, yeah. Yeah, it was dreadful. I'm still touring. We were still singing. 
And did you tour frequently throughout the years when you're bringing up your kids? How do you put them to sleep at night when you're off on a tour? You'd have to ask my kids what that was like. My mother-in-law lived with us from the time we got together in the house, and it was not a big house. My mother-in-law was like God Almighty. She gave with one hand and took away with the other. But she took care of the two boys. When the second child was born, we had to have someone else come in because we were touring 60, 70 days a year, maybe up to 100, because we had two families to support. Ewan was married when I fell in love with him. He left his wife for me, his wife and two children, so we supported them. So we toured from the moment we got together. And we had my mother-in-law living in the house from the time we got together. When I was home, we sang them to sleep. Absolutely. Now, the song, Go to Sleep, I love the song. My second son made it up. I think it's absolutely wonderful. It's not the kind of song I sang them to sleep with. They got sung to sleep with bloody ballads, where everybody ends up dead at the end. My children love those songs. But both my sons work in music now. And this is one that my son, Callum, composed, and I think it's gorgeous. It's called Go to Sleep, performed here by Peggy Seeger. Covered in roses in the rain 
dreams that sat and played around the window pane go to sleep. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. Go to sleep. Your mother is sleeping. Go to sleep, your mother is sleeping. Your mother is sleeping. Your mother is sleeping. Beautiful song, Go to Sleep. A true family effort there. And so is this a song he made for his children? I think he made it for his children. He's in charge of five children. As you mentioned about love, I've always liked kids, but it wasn't till my son was born that I felt this incredible new dimension open up to me when I knew that I would very willingly give my life for this child, and it made me cry with tears of joy. This happens to quite a lot of men. All the fathers that I know have said something like that. My older son was present when his first son was born. He said, Mom, because apparently it was quite a difficult birth, and he was there for all of it. Why do women do this? It's incredible. He said, the pain is unbelievable. Because in England, they don't give you a shot unless you ask for it. And then my oldest son said, I can't believe that women voluntarily do this. So you actually went through birthing at least three times. So why do women go through all that pain? You forget the pain. It's very weird that you forget pain and that you can forget a pain like childbirth, but you do, because the reward is so great. When that child is handed to you, as you know, there's nothing like it. Well, I think, Peggy, we've got time for one more song. Before we go there, I want to mention to people that your website is PeggySeeger.com. I assume they can find connections there to your children's music, too, right? Now, that's interesting. There isn't, probably because my children's music is so completely different. My son, Neil, travels with David Gray, who is a a modern singer-songwriter. My son, Callum, travels with Ronan Keating, who used to be in Boyzone. It's such different music that they don't, but that's interesting. They have never asked me to link to them. I'll think about that. Well, tell us what song you'd like to end off your Song of the Soul with, Peggy. The one I'd like to end with is a song that I wrote for my friend Christine Lassiter. She died of cancer at age 49. She was one of those bright, shining stars who influence and encourage people to be their best. She was wonderful to look at, long blonde hair, beautiful eyes, bone structure that you would die for, 
and a personality that shone. She discovered she had cancer, and she was given three months to live. She lived for a whole year. Do you know why? Because she couldn't bear to leave her friends. So she sat in her house, and her friends formed what was known as the love schedule, where there was someone always at her command if she needed something. And she got up, she walked around, she sang. She was always there, never complaining, no self-pity. She was one of the people who taught me to die. She was another one that I was there with her. I was the nighttime on her love schedule because other people had jobs. So I would sit with her in the middle of the night, even when she was in a coma. And I wrote the song to raise money for her because she had no medical plan. And she would sit in the middle of the audience whenever there was a concert to raise money. She always wore her red velvet dress. And she would sit in the middle of the audience and glow. So this is a song for her. When the waters are deep, friends carry me over. When I cry in my sleep, love call me home. Time ferry me down the river, friends carry me safely over. Life tend me on my journey, love call me home. When the waters are cold. Friends to carry us over. Time can 
a song for friendship, for enduring love, called Love Call Me Home. It's for Christine Lassiter by Peggy Seeger. Beautiful song. Did you write it after or before she died? Is this one of the people you sang off to the other world with? I made it for her before because we needed to raise money for her medications, which is, let's face it, a savage thing to have to do. But if I'd like to say that Songs for the Soul, this has been a very self-centered choice. It's all seems to be about me, 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 me. But what I try to do is I try to write songs that, that say what I feel is universal. It's not me. The things that I feel, love, compassion, concern, memory, we all have these. And I think it's absolutely vital that we acknowledge how deep we feel. This love song for my partner, it could have been written as a woman for a man, a man for a woman, a man for a man. It happened to have been written by a woman for a woman. And so what we feel is universal. And that's what songs for the soul should be, I think. Well, the song of your soul is truly a beautiful one, Peggy. I know I'm going to have you back shortly for Spirit in Action. I look forward to that. You've given us such deep currents to go swimming in. And I thank you for joining me for Song of the Soul. Thanks for asking me to do it. I've learned something else yet. (laughs) That gracious and talented folk singer-songwriter was Peggy Seeger. Website PeggySeeger.com, and she joined us today for Song of the Soul from her home in Boston. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy, let in the light, it will heal you. And you can feel you and sing out a Song of the Soul.